interesting about Pakistan and the United States, as well as his life growing up in Pakistan, and how he reconciled his life here in the States and back home. In addition to that, we talk about his love for music, specifically the guitar. To listen to his music, go to our website at thisisonyourlife.org. Please enjoy. the chance to like you know kind of level with you i guess uh yeah, so you know same. so uh if you know if you could just introduce yourself like what your name is and stuff right so i'm nader ali babur and i'm a two-year senior in wentworth hall from lahore pakistan awesome and um oh can you uh just come close to the mic uh yeah yeah just like a fist away um yeah so which part of uh pakistan are you from so I'm from Lahore, which is in the province of Punjab. That's the eastern, I guess, province. It's not, it's sort of in the middle of the country, but it's on the eastern border as well. Uh, and I'm about, in, I'm again in the middle of the country, I'm about an hour away from the border with India by road, hmm. maybe an hour and a half. But yeah, Lahore is the second biggest city in Pakistan populations probably something like 15 20 million at this wow. point it's massive yeah is uh like you know india's the population density is so massive over there is pakistan um you know gravitating um much smaller so like india is something like 1.6 billion people in total mm-hmm. pakistan is something like 300 400 million damn maybe a bit less i can't remember they did a census this year Jeez. Yeah. You know, I'm just picturing one dude just going up, like, <laughs> by everyone, like, yo, can everyone, like, stand still for a sec? <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't, that would, that would just be ridiculous. <laughs> no. So, um, you know, what what is life like over there? Um, well, I mean, that's a tricky question to answer because it's a very broad question yeah that's um, a, that's a pretty uh crappy answer uh, question <laughs> let me let me rephrase it uh to be more like um all right say we're you know over at your house like on in august or something like that like over the summer like what is a typical day i guess well i guess in the summer so for me it's mostly um sometimes i'll be doing an internship or something but in the mm-hmm. summer otherwise it's mostly staying indoors uh because it's kind of it's kind of hot outside. About yeah. it's probably going to be north of a hundred every day through August, unless it's storm season, which is mid July ish. Sometimes this happens later into August, but otherwise it's just really hot and humid. So you're going to be inside most of the day. For me, that just means you know messing around with my guitar, reading, doing three D design, other random things, mm. doing nothing, hanging out with friends. Mm. If we're really tired of being inside, then we'll go and brave the heat uh, to play cricket or basketball. But yeah, right. Uh, and also, if you could just like come a little closer to Mike, yeah, that's perfect. Uh, sorry, I'm being such a stickler, but <laughs> that's fine. Um, you know, 
So, uh, you know, tell me about your friends. Like, what is the culture like over there in terms of, the, like, are they, as in, um, you know, have you known them since, like, elementary school, like, since you were kids? Pretty much. So most schools in Pakistan, like, um, the larger schools, basically, they'll start right at second or first grade, and they'll go all the way until you finish your A-levels, which is when you sort of graduate. Like It's like 13 years mm. instead of 12. So, um, yeah, most of my friends, the the maybe nine or ten people who I consider my good friends, I've known them all for a very long time. The earliest from... Well, technically, the earliest was one is one of my cousins who's in the same year as I am. So technically, I've known him since day one of his life. But um, <laughs> the others from third, fourth, all the way through sixth was when I was sort of meeting them and have been with them ever since, mm. and uh, still carrying on with that. And um, have you uh, just, you know, have you just been living in Pakistan ever since you were a kid? So I was born in Houston, actually. Um, my dad was working there, my parents. Uh, he was working in New York after he married my mother. They moved to Houston because he was working in the energy industry. So we lived there until about 2003. So when I was two or three. And then at that point in time, my parents decided that we should move back to Pakistan, to that culture, because also because our entire family was there. We had mm-hmm. friends and there is a large Pakistani base in Houston, probably the biggest in the U.S., hmm. but it wasn't the same thing. So yeah. we sort of, they made that choice and we moved back home then. So I do have some memories of Houston and we have returned a lot over the summers. That but must really suck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the option of either Houston or Pakistan for, you know, that really cool uh, July weather, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I know it's the best time outside. It's yeah. the best time to be outside. It doesn't matter where you are. Really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm guessing you mean that sarcastically? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you meet some people who are just like, you know, oh, I just love um, the hot weather and stuff, like or like the humidity or something like that. I'm just like, uh-uh. Okay, humidity, I, yeah, I'm not going to say I like humidity, mm. but I don't mind heat either. So it'll go up to 115 in May and June in Pakistan, but mm. that's dry heat. So like... Right. That's easier to bear, and I'm used to that. Like, going out and playing cricket at that time of year is more regular than in July or August. Really? Yeah. And is that, like, um, you know, I have some friends who live in India and stuff uh, who go back during the summer. Is that, like, the monsoon season? So monsoon season is about a two- or three-week span. That's generally July-ish. Normally, it's supposed to start around beginning or mid-July, this year did pass a couple of years it's been late so mm-hmm. uh for quite some time it's been actually late enough that it's in september so once school's starting we've been having torrential rain but um yeah that's about monsoon season so july is decently good weather apart from the fact that it's raining so you still can't be outside right but after that it gets humid because of all the rain right um and so uh you know you mentioned that your dad works in like the energy yeah. Uh, field so um you know did he meet your mom over here in the states uh no it was an arranged marriage back in pakistan i think mm-hmm. my dad was in new york and my mother was in lahore when they were actually engaged um mm-hmm. he came back for the wedding they got married and moved to houston 
they they didn't like it wasn't like they didn't know each other at all hit my um my mother's oldest brother was actually a very good friend of my dad's so they did know each other beforehand to an extent mm. and so uh you know if you don't mind me asking like i uh you know that's obviously not really a culture that i grew up with uh you know west side of los angeles uh you know yeah uh what is um I guess when it comes to relationships and marriage and, you know, kind of, what is the culture around that? Um, don't have relationships <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, that's sort of the way it goes. Marriage generally can, will be arranged. It's not what most people will imagine it to be, which is your parents come up to you, tell you you're marrying somebody. <laughs> that's that. Um, it's more of that family culture is very strong at home mm. in Pakistan. So a marriage doesn't just tie two people together it doesn't just tie their parents and their siblings together it ties everyone like out to your cousins and your second cousins into one larger unit mm -hmm. so and it is a bit of an old-fashioned culture so part of the idea behind that is finding somebody for your child who will make a good uh, a good mother or father mm -hmm. who'll be able to like keep up the household and Divorce is highly stigmatized, to, so finding some somebody that'll keep the family intact. Mm. So it's sort of that. In terms of relationships, yeah, don't have any. <laughs> that's that's basically the what your parents say. Um, most schools are also single gender, so it's not like you have as many chances to have them. <laughs> yeah, like and in general, um, do you find that that's uh, you know? mainly due to Pakistani culture or like Islam? So Islam, well, one of the the biggest thing and it is the same thing that's in every religion, absence before marriage. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one major thing that comes from there, but it's more of, um, it's partially respect for them. It's, it is partially a cultural thing mm. because that, this culture dates beyond back to at least like the 1500s to when it was the Mughal Empire, so it sort of evolved and taken shape over that time where you want these the people to have sort of a clean record because you don't actually get alcohol legally in Pakistan. There's no le It's not legally sold except to embassies. Hmm. So there are illegal ways to get it, and people do do that. And there are some very complicated legal ways to get it. So people do drink, but like you don't see it, you don't hear about it. So if somebody, so like people drinking, people smoking even at times and relationships sort of break engagements, hmm. which is part of what, which is sort of why there is that restriction on it. Right. Like you don't want this to come out because if you're marrying somebody, you're going to look into them. You're going to look into who you're, which family you're sending your kid off to. Right. So that can, so that's like, I've seen it happen. It can break an engagement. Hmm. And so, and like, you know, I guess when people think of like arranged marriages, like what you were saying, you know, <laughs> like here you're married, it's it's like almost the opposite in that sense. Yeah. It is like, I can say no if I'm like, if I don't want to marry somebody, I can say no. And if I have, there's nothing against having friends of the opposite gender. It's just that you don't, because schools are mostly mm -hmm. split, you don't have as many until you go off to college. So, but it is like, okay, with most parents, most parents will say, okay, if you, if you ask us about somebody will think about whether they're a good fit for this for to be you know to be a mother or a father 
mm. in this family. So it's not like I can't say that. It's just that I, you know, we don't exactly know that many people. There are some co-ed schools more in recent times, but mostly like only for the 12th and 13th grade. Is that mostly like international uh, schools? Um, no, they're just, it's just moving. It's just more moving more progressively now. I, there aren't that many international schools at all. Um, I can probably only think of two off the top of my head, one in the capital. There might be another there. Um, and one that I haven't heard much about on the outskirts of Lahore. Hmm. Um, and, you know, speaking of international schools, I guess, uh, you know, you're over here at Exeter right now. Um, you know, I don't even know how many miles that is or kilometers, but... Uh, almost 7,000 miles. Yeah. What's, is that like 15 hours or? Uh, the, so there's no direct flight from, um, at least from Boston to Lahore. There's one from New York, but that would just become indirect anyway. So right. I've got a 14 or 13 hour stretch from Boston to Doha and then <laughs> <laughs> like oh, a man, three man. or four hour layover and then another four hour stretch from Doha to Lahore. Jeez. Yo, I fly six hours back home. Like, <laughs> oh man, dude. Yeah, it's um, it's a taxing journey. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that's the time it would take like for me to drive back. <laughs> like, <laughs> damn. Um, yeah, but you know, uh, have you? So it sounds like right now, um, you know, like hearing about your life that you were born in Houston, um, and then moved over to Pakistan. Were you there? Like, I guess that stretch. Of time like from when you were a child to like now i guess yeah that's been in the that's been the entirety of my life in pakistan in that culture since 2003 mm-hmm. up until i came to exeter so yeah and what made you uh like you know want to come here i were a plethora of things um for one just the opportunities offered to me so i was at a school called hson college in lahore it was for a very long time the best school in the country but the thing is the GCE and A-level system which is the schooling system over there is being regarded as more and more redundant by a lot of colleges and the teaching standards are also going down so some for your GCEs which are I guess if you want to go by Exeter numbers the courses will be somewhere between 300 and 400 you do like nine over the course of two years so they're like honors level yeah 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 so for those you could probably you'd be fine i guess with the teachers we still had but for your a levels which are about like four four hundred or five hundred level courses for exeter yeah like ap like college yeah yeah Yeah, you do get college credit for those actually if you if you get a decent grade Hmm. um most colleges will give you credit for them so the thing is those are on a much harder scale and the te- teaching f- the teaching quality for those was going down and it's yeah colleges sort of well first off just the fact that you can't get a good education in that because the teachers themselves can't explain these things to you probably can't teach it properly in some cases there were still some great teachers but what were your chances of getting them because you're stuck with the same teacher for two years because mm. it's one course oh and that's over yeah and so, um, you know, you mentioned like college credit and stuff like, uh, I guess typically, you know, I know for a lot of, uh, international students, you know, they typically come over here for high school slash college as well. 
um, have you, you know, we're seniors right now. And, you know, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave after this year. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, are you are you looking at any schools back in Pakistan? I'm not. Um, yeah, I do want to go to college in the U.S. That was always the goal. Um, if I'd wanted to go to college at home, I probably would have stayed at home because that I could have pulled off mm-hmm. while being at home just because I would have been applying from within the same city and it would have been much easier. But no, I'm not look at looking at any colleges or universities in Pakistan. And, uh, you know, why is that? Well, it's just because, well, some of them I've been to, I've been to their campuses for competitions and I know people who are there and it's also just that they're not as good in, as universities. They're not, and didn't specifically like them too much. Didn't really want to be there. Like most people at home will apply to them, but I just didn't want to be in those particular schools. I didn't like them or just that's sort of the same thing carries over. They're not super great schools or colleges, I guess. Hmm. So they weren't on my list. And, uh, you know, do you want to go into energy like your, you know, your father? Possibly. I'm a bit undecided on that right now. I'm gunning for electrical engineering, um, and maybe an econ minor or maybe a BA as well, but we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of life decisions and all that, uh, you know, I know my parents have been on my butt, like, you know, about like these big decisions and stuff like that. Um, you know, how's your, how's the communication with your parents over stuff like this? It's good. Like my father, uh, my father has always been following me through these academic and college processes. And he's sort of like the type of person who his friends are going to send their kids to for advice on college, etc. Mm-hmm. So I've sort of been hearing all these lectures about essays and stuff and colleges in general for probably about seven years now. Um, but no, he's my parents have been very good with it. They've sort of taken, taken it in stride, like you should do what you want to do as long as it's something that's viable for you to follow, like viable for you to actually do something and go for it. Mm. There's like, I come from a, on one side of my family, a long line of doctors there is no real pressure to become a doctor and I didn't want to. And my parents were perfectly fine with that. They just, they helped me through it. They're like, helped me try and figure out what I want to do. Like I decided I liked physics a lot and computer science and math. So I talked to my dad and we sort of looked at all the different majors in engineering to try and figure out which one will be best for me. Like they've been very helpful with that and I am really grateful to them for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you mentioned that you had an older sister. Yeah. Uh, you know, can you tell me a little bit about her? Yeah, she's 21. She's a junior at McGill up in Montreal. Um, she's, well, I guess, yeah, she's, <laughs> sometimes you don't know how to describe the people you know best. No, well, well, uh, uh, what's her name, I guess, just as uh, a starting place? Her name's Nida. She, yeah, she's 21. She, she finished school in Pakistan um, and then went off to McGill because she really liked it there. And um, she's pursuing a major in political sciences right now with a minor in literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've generally been polar opposites. <laughs> she was all humanities um, because of the requirements there. She didn't even have to take high school science. Wow, really? Oh my yeah. God. I should, like, I should be playing there. <laughs> no, I mean, the requirements are like at schools in Pakistan to graduate. Like she didn't even have to take any oh, um, well. high school sciences as long as she had enough subjects. 
and I was always the complete opposite, math, science. Um, so we never really taught the same way, but we get along well. She's always like if she's always there if I need to talk to her. It's, it helps that we're in the same time zone. Mm. So if I need to call her and like it's if I need to talk to somebody and it's three a.m. at home, I can call her instead of trying to reach my parents. And she's always sort of been there. She's always sort of been supporting me and pushing me to greater heights, mm. like to you know to achieve whatever it is I strive for. She's always been supporting me and there to knock sense into me when I'm acting like an idiot. Um, yeah. And have you guys always been like you know close? No, we used to spend probably probably three quarters of our waking hours wow. fighting when we were kids. <laughs> but um, like since I was maybe twelve or thirteen and got and stopped acting like an idiot so much, <laughs> um, we've gotten along better. Um, yeah. No, she's been great. She's always sort of guiding me from the background, like making sure I don't fall off the path, mm. I guess. And has she uh, offered any guidance, you know? Well, with what specifically? There are a lot of things you can offer guidance as guidance with as a sibling. I guess what's what's the first thing that comes to mind? I guess with she's offered guidance with how to tackle work about um adjusting to being away from home she's offered a lot of guidance and help <clears throat> again like she was always available if i wanted to call her especially last year during my first year it was um really helpful because she'd been away for years so she knew how to deal with some of the things that i would have had trouble with and it's with things like that she was she was definitely always I guess she was always making sure I wasn't uh, being stupid and wasting my time when it when it could actually have a negative impact so if I okay waste an hour don't study as long as I can manage it mm. that's fine even she she understands that but like we used to have just one final exam at the end of the year for every subject so it was sort of two or three weeks of cramming before that she helped she sort of used to help me figure out how you go about that best how to how to sort of not waste your time how to not miss anything with that because you're memorizing or in some cases in other cases trying to get together two or three years of material for one test damn she was she was always there to help with that even if we were studying completely different subjects and the approaches were different for them she helped figure stuff out there I guess in other things our interests differed so she couldn't like she was never one to do any form of sport or um music so yeah and uh you know you mentioned music like playing guitar and stuff like that um you know when did you start playing actually only when i got to exeter hmm. um so i when it's so about like september 2016 so it's been over a year now but like I put a lot of my time into it, maybe six, five, six hours a week I spend practicing or just working on it because I really enjoy it. It's something that I don't see as work, mm. even though technically I'm getting an art credit for it. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's something I enjoy doing. It's So I started writing music last spring. So I've finished about three pieces now. Nice. And got some more in the works. 
are they uh compositional stuff or is it like songwriting uh one two are songs one's purely instrumental so i guess it's composition and it's um i've managed to record it with rhythm and lead guitar and how's that process been i guess like you know i guess with music uh you know when you think of like guitar like you think of like western music and stuff is that prim- is that like a primary influence when it comes to well there are some mixes of it there because yeah a lot of it is western music because there isn't as much in guitar or at least there wasn't as much in guitar when i was younger in pakistani music but now there is some more so both are a bit of an influence even if western is more of a major influence but um a lot of the classical tones in Pakistani music are really sort of seeping into how I think about it now. In what uh, in what ways do you think? In sort of the way of laying it out and sort of I'm actually going to... The two songs I've written now are in English, but I'm going to start writing actually in Urdu, which is my native tongue. So that's sort of there. The sort of the way you lay out music in that the tones, the 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 pitch, the tones are generally different or, and then the genres, like there's no, there's nothing that you would call pop in Pakistan, mm. nor rap, nor a lot of other things. There is, there are some rock bands actually that are new, that are newer, like in my generation. And there's the classical stuff, which is just, which is harder to figure out how to incorporate that into guitar because that's more with other instruments like mm. piano or, um, orchestral instruments or sitar um but yeah and uh you know you mentioned uh Ur- uh urdu like urdu, yeah yeah uh, i'm sorry I'm, I'm butchering like all of this uh <laughs> that's fine yeah um you know most people do <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh you know I, I like i flew over pakistan once you know i i, I get the culture i get the vibe <laughs> uh you know no but like uh you know how uh what are the differences between that you know like i guess uh you mentioned with the music and stuff like the different tones and stuff like so um i guess in urdu music is a lot of older music is for specific occasions because like there's specific like songs that are to that were to be literally performed as in performed by the family hmm. or like danced to by the family at weddings there are things that were not songs but um kawalis which is a different form of music it's not the way it's sang isn't like a normal song i don't sort of know how to explain that um i guess but the way it's written the way it's sang like in how you sing it um and so you've got some you've got a lot of really seemingly melancholy tones in our music or you've got some really I don't know if you've ever heard a sitar play uh, but you've got a lot of those tones in our music because that's a, a widely played instrument among Pakistani musicians so some the sounds you get from that you're never really going to get from anywhere else mm. no yeah like you know just thinking about it right now um, you know uh there are there's like a shocking amount of like crossover t- between those two cultures um you know even in american music like uh the beatles like norwegian wood like the sitar uh you know sampling and stuff like that yeah. um but you know was uh english or 
uh, or do your first language? I guess I'd say both because I sort of grew up speaking both at the same time. So if you asked for my mother tongue, then it would be Urdu. But both, I guess, are. I would say that both are my first, would be my first language because I sort of have been speaking both at home for my entire life. Mm. Within my family, we speak both all the time. So I really couldn't say. But my mother tongue is Urdu. And how often uh, do you speak Urdu, like in the States? In the States, um, it's kind of helpful because then if I'm speaking to my parents over the phone or somebody at home, nobody knows what I'm saying. <laughs> there aren't any other Pakistanis on campus, at least. I'm pretty sure there aren't. Yeah, there aren't. Uh, so nobody actually understands what I'm saying, which is helpful. <laughs> um, so I speak it over the phone. I speak it over the phone to my parents. Um, my sister prefers English more, so I speak to her in English. I, humanity I, stuff, you know, humanity stuff. No, just generally. Hmm. And then uh, when I speak to my grandparents or my cousins or my friends at home, I'll speak in Urdu. And uh, sometimes I just go off on rants in Urdu uh, <laughs> when I'm thinking to myself or when I'm annoyed. Hmm. Or um, when I just don't want anybody to know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned be, uh, being the only Pakistani on campus uh you know can what are your can you touch on a little bit on that like kind of you know what it's like honestly it's um <clears throat> there was a period last year when it was really isolating but there's also the subcontinent society which i'm a co-head of which is basically a, a cultural club not exactly an affinity group which brings together all the people on campus from the sub from the subcontinent mm-hmm. um so actually so it's um there are cultural similarities even if we're different countries in so enough that i can feel almost entirely at home amongst mm-hmm. those people even within and even when it comes to culture so it's been that's been a great way to sort of not fall out of that and sort of have that support but otherwise it's sort of given me a new perspective on who i am as a pakistani <clears throat> I spent a lot of time last year reflecting on who I was and where I was from in that sense because if I said I'm from Pakistan then P- and a lot of people would either discount that I'm from Pakistan or that I'm from Houston when I said I was from both hmm. because some people would assume that I said if I was born in Houston then okay you're American that's it some people say but okay you were born in Houston you never lived there how does that make you American or Houstonian not specifically at Exeter but generally hmm. throughout my life that's sort of what I can sort of see going through people's going across people going through people's minds when you look at their face when I say that but it last year sort of gave me a lot of perspective on who I was in terms of where I come from Hmm. and do you think of yourself as Pakistani like in the states and then you know being from Houston back home yeah I think of myself as both wherever I'm from but I guess Pakistani is the dominant side of that because I'm I'm first and foremost Pakistani, unless you ask me in an airport. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, like, all this crap that's been happening, you know, I remember last year, you, uh, I guess I was talking with you about, you know, the flights, right, you know, when Trump was, like, imposing all those bans and stuff like that. Like, how has that been, you know, both living you know in the area that's been 
that like America has been kind of like stereotyping, I guess, as well as, you know, being brown in America. Also, with on campus, I personally haven't felt any stigma or any racism or any hatred towards me just because of where where I'm from, even if some people, like I said, can't sort of figure it out in terms of where I'm from. But I haven't felt any of that on campus. It's more of in travel and outside of campus that I sort of see it like um, something is that something about me is that off campus, if I'm talking to somebody who I don't actually know, Like if the barber per se, when I go to get a haircut, asks me where I'm from, I'll say Houston, hmm. because personally I just feel safer that way. I sort of grew up with this stigma about Pakistan in the in the Western world. Airports were the more are the more tricky part. Um, going out, I have no problem. They'll send me off. Like okay, go. That's it. Um, coming in, I always this even before I came here, I've always sort of had luggage checking. So when I'm boarding my flight to the US, um, like open up all the luggage, probe mm -hmm. all of it, scan all of it. Um, actually this time coming in when I flew into JFK, um, passport control took my passport and questioned me for about half an hour about everything under the sun. Um, so it's sort of been, it's sort of been tricky, but I'm used to that. Last year was sort of that despite the fact that Pakistan wasn't on the ban list, I was hearing about people from home having trouble traveling between the US and Pakistan as mm. it was. Like people with green cards even. So it was a bit scary at the time in terms of what would go down then. And you mentioned earlier that you consider yourself from both, you know, the United States and Pakistan at the same time. Uh, how did that really affect, you know, your identity? That was about the time I sort of started thinking about it fully. So I sort of, I figured out which culture is mine more, which is Pakistan, because I grew up there. That's a culture I have lived in for the most time. Yet yeah, I've been exposed to American culture over summers, spending a lot of time in Houston and slowly a bit more at Exeter. And so I sort of, I guess I went with that, that yes, I am Pakistani and you might have your opinions about what you think, who you think we are, but that's not necessarily who we are. Mm. Like you can't say that I'm a terrorist just because I'm Pakistani. That doesn't make any sense. And yeah, you have a right to free thought and free speech, but I'm not a terrorist. If you if that's what you think I am, then you're severely mistaken. Like at airport control or otherwise in the outside world, it's sort of been a struggle. Like a lot of people think these days about what would happen if the world goes into another war. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Pakistan and the U.S. would probably be on different sides. Pakistan would probably be with China. And I have to admit that if it came to that and I had to pick a side, then I'd be with Pakistan. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, I'm ashamed in, I am, um, I do consider myself American and I'm ashamed of what is happening to this country in some ways and what is, and how this country is treating the rest of the world. But I'm, and I'm Pakistani and I'm going to defend my country in every way I can. And when you are, you know, when you view both Pakistan and the United States, uh, it's real. It's kind of, you know, the tendency is to kind of merge 
um, you know, the people and the government and kind of mix them together. Uh, you know, thinking about like your experience, it sounds like is like kind of the prejudice is coming from both places, you know? Yeah. I've seen it not like outside of the U S and inside of the U S I've seen, I've seen that sort of aversion to the middle East and the far East in general, both amongst the people. And of course in government policy is where you hear about it the most. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think Trump over the summer told Pakistan to start acting up about Afghanistan or they would stop because or to stop harboring terrorists, which isn't exactly something we do. So um, you see that very openly in government policy. But within the people like at home, actually, people couldn't care less about what Trump's doing. Mm-hmm. Like an average Pakistani person. okay, fine. Let him do it. He can do whatever he wants. It doesn't make a difference to me. And here i guess it's just that where you see this aversion is where people are sort of blindly following what the government says which can sting and some sting sometimes because i mean i'm also american Mm. why are you doing this sort of like what reason what reasoning do you have behind this hatred this aversion this exclusion Do you think that's, I guess when you think of people, I guess, like viewing you, do you think they view you or do you feel like they view you as like, you know, a brown person or a Pakistani person? In some sense, in some cases, yeah. Like, again, this is more pertaining to the outside world than Exeter, but People have asked me when I say from Houston, but where are you really from? Mm. People don't necessarily believe that when I say it because maybe it's because of my skin color. Maybe it's well, partially probably because of my accent at this point, somewhat mangled, um, having spent time in both places. I mean, you speak better than me, so like <laughs> uh, speaking is different is a different thing than an accent. Mm. So it's. Um, it's sort of, I guess, that people sort of automat out. A lot of people do automatically assume, okay, he's not American American when they see me. And uh, on campus, people are much more willing to go with whatever you say. It's like, I'm from Houston. Okay. Yeah, yeah you're Houstonian. Like, I'm, all, hey, I'm also from Houston. Nice. People are on campus, people are much more open minded with, with these things. I guess that's what makes us Houstonians. Mm-hmm. you know you you said like uh american american which is like frustrating because you are like american american you know <laughs> exactly like yeah people assume uh i guess maybe what might run through their heads is okay he's sure he was born here but he's his family isn't from here he's not from here i guess that mm-hmm. might be what runs through people's heads when they when i say i'm from houston outside of campus when i say i'm from houston to somebody in houston they might they'll probably be like are you sure they'll probably be thinking that to themselves Mm. and you're just like yeah i'm pretty sure (laughs) yeah Yeah. i'm from houston Mm. it's where i'm from it's home it's on my passport right it's everything yeah do you find that it's i guess you know, facing all that stigmatism, uh, 
you know, almost feeling like people are automatically seeing you in that undeserved kind of light. Do you, do you feel any like resentment toward that, towards that? Undeserved, maybe no. That I, I can't say that they see it in an undeserved light, but they, I can definitely, I definitely do feel that they see it in a critical light. Like, um, I don't know if this correlates exactly, but uh, flying back in at one point with my parents um, because we were returning a few days early, and my parents had some stuff to do. My dad had some work in New York, so we were flying back after winter break together last year. Um, so my parents did get American passports by immigrating, but when we were like going through security, um, the security officer asked my father, how did you get your passport? That just sort of threw me off really. Like, I guess in that sense, yes, some people will assume it's undeserved or that you're just there for a work opportunity or something and that you're not really part of the country or the community. How do you how do you level that side with you know living in Exeter you know like does do you feel like do you feel like some some of almost that outside world is sometimes leaks into Exeter or almost like the same feelings that you personally feel against I guess not in the sense, no. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. So I've, in, people don't, I don't, I never get the feeling that people think it's undeserved. People are just curious about it as opposed to critical or etc. It's more of like, I will acknowledge that I'm probably not a part of the, I'm not a part of the culture, even if I am part of the community, which is sort of where the difference comes in. Like I've had in conversations with people, this sort of comes up they'll say something that'll throw people off a lot because it's something that they might have grown up accustomed to and I might not have or vice versa and so in that sense I do I do feel like yes I do stick out in that sense but I am but I don't feel that I'm not a part of the community on campus and even if it is a majority American community or say I do per se I do feel like I'm part of the community but I do openly acknowledge that this isn't my culture and I'm, it might, it's, I'm probably not a perfect fit into this jigsaw. Well, I mean, honestly, like, I think you really are, you know, number one, because you were born in this jigsaw, and there's a place. But also just, like, I think, I think everyone thinks, you know, on the extended analogy of, like, this jigsaw puzzle, like, people have an image of what it should look like. Well, you know, other people have another view, obviously. Um, and I, I think, you know, for me, talking to me personally, uh, your comment, like, you know, where are you actually from? Like, I get that all the time, you know. Uh, and like, yo, I'm from L.A. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't have an accent. Um, you know, I don't even speak Korean or really eat Korean food that much. Uh, you know, but it still feels like that. I guess idea is still there. I guess it's sort of like an unintended um, effect with what I was saying, like something that I don't understand because I didn't grow up in this culture or vice versa. And that sort of, it's not something that people intend to do. It's not something people are trying to do. And it, because, but it does sort of have like that, 
it sort of wakes you up at that moment like there's sort of like it's sort of like you're a hole in the you're like a it's like there's a missing link there mm. you you are sort of separate in that sense it's not something people intend to do and it's again it's definitely not something i'd expect that people want to do but that's where that's where i personally feel that that difference comes in in how you interact with the community even as somebody from pakistan albeit also from houston do you think that gives you that almost like you know it sounds like you're a very empathetic person uh and you know just knowing you as a friend i think that's you know there's no question about that thanks do you think that kind of gives you that i don't know if patience is the right word but almost like almost just understanding understanding the understanding behind the differences if you get what i'm saying yeah in some cases like most of the time when something like this happens and it throws off everybody in the discussion i just because i partially because i'm curious about it and partially because i don't want that feeling to be there i probe into it to try and understand it to try and give people a sense of where i'm coming from or to get a sense of where they're coming from and what is a typical um situation like that um Well, there's the whole discussion about wait, you don't date. Um, I've had that with quite a number of people and it throws a lot of people off. And so that discussion has arisen there. It's sort of trying to f- explain where I'm coming from and why I'm why that's the stance I have. Actually yesterday, um, in student council, because I'm the dorm rep for Wentworth, dorm su- uh, student life was giving away some unclaimed dorm supplies and I didn't know what a wiffle ball set was. And uh, one my companions uh, were a bit like, wait, what? How? And so that's sort of where in little random places like that, it pops up. And you just try and figure it out from there. Mm-hmm. And I guess at the scale of whatever it was. And so do you see that as like a less of like, you know, a reminder of kind of your presence here, I guess, in America, and more so just like almost an educational opportunity. That really depends on what it was that sort of threw everything off. There, I can't recall specific specific examples, but there have been instances where it's sort of that, that wait a minute, where am I standing? Like, I'm, I'm not, I am. There is a missing link here. There have been instances where it's like, yes i am in america it's sort of that shock as opposed to more of an educational opportunity in which of which there have been far more Mm. because they happen on a much smaller scale a lot more does it ever happen where it's like you know flips where you say or like you catch yourself i guess um almost like assuming uh that they know pakistani culture it's definitely happened in my essays it's definitely happened in my um in a narrative or two for over the last year for, for classes yeah. i've missed things and teachers it's just because like you automatically assume you you automatically know what you're talking about and the reader might not mm. so that's happened when i've written in the essay i actually wrote um about figuring out where i'm from 
I wrote a narrative about that last spring and it did crop up there once or twice in conversation. Yeah, there have been instances, there have definitely been times when it's um, cropped up. Like I mentioned, um, I think I've once climbing over the wall to get a ball that had fallen over when I was playing cricket or or soccer. Need to correct myself there. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's actually another instance where it happens when I say football and somebody thinks I mean American football just because I'm. I don't always say soccer. Mm. Um, so I mentioned at one point to one of my friends like climbing over the wall to get a ball that had gotten over the and that sort of stopped them like wait walls because um, most homes in Pakistan you've got walls around the boundaries of the property as well mm. so like. Most in most cases in most neighborhoods, walls that are too high to scale over, or if they're low, they have shards of glass or um, plants and vines growing over the top, not strong enough to climb on, but there's so that you can't try and scale the wall. And of course, for aesthetic reasons, you've got the plants as well. But that sort of throws people off because it's sort of your that concept, that idea of being of sort of shutting your house out from the rest of the street from the rest of the lane kind of is odd to a lot of people. Mm. So it sort of threw some of my friends off when I said that. I mean, honestly, to me, that, that sounds perfectly uh, reasonable. I hate my neighbors. So. <laughs> you know, uh, not like not in my backyard, but more so just like, I don't want you like, you know, like, but yeah. Um, well, I guess then also the... the so this might make me sound um, pretentious and like a spoiled rich kid, but servants. Mm. So a lot of the thing is a lot of Pakistan lives below the poverty line and the standards of living are also lower. So having servants in the household is a common thing. Like not like even people who aren't super well off have like um, cooks or drivers or and or maids and sweepresses because managing households in a, in that culture is also just really tricky and messy and how have you uh you know when it comes to servants and stuff like you know i've had babysitters all my life and more so like housekeepers like people who um i don't want to say more involved than my parents obviously um but you know almost to that level of seeing them around the house every day what was that experience like so you've got um a cook who sort of like you'll have cooks who live in the house or live very nearby who will be doing all the cooking um, or you'll have um, or and or you'll have maids who live in the house and have sort of if they were there long enough they've sort of also been taking care of you your entire life hmm. like raising you it's at, alongside your parents not in the sense of bringing you up but in the sense of helping to bring you up but they're always there and they're sort of the ones quite often who'll be taking you outside to the yard to play etc if your parents are busy trying to keep the house together or something or just aren't at home like yeah that sort of also cuts out the part of babysitters because they're always there so even if your parents are out of the house it's fine because they're there watching over you um you also just don't really walk anywhere at home at least not in Lahore and in any of the other big cities so most people also have drivers to get the car around when you need to send your kid to school or when you can't go yourself or 
when you need to run errands. So I've sort of grown up around these people, and because um, I've sort of at home had the same set of people mostly for my entire life, and my parents have they've been working with us for longer than I've been alive. So I sort of they're an extended part of the family for me. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like that idea of um, you know home life and not just like a media film, but like this larger extent family. Like it seems like that's you know almost extended to them. Yeah. How do you, uh, I guess, how do you see them, you personally? Like, do you, uh... Well, I mean, uh, the woman just retired, the maid who raised me, like, uh, she's basically, I guess, a second mother in some senses, because, I mean, she's raised, she's raised me mm-hmm. since I was, since we moved back to Pakistan, so a lot of respect and love for her. And then, of course, the drivers who sort of always share jokes with them, play cricket with them because um, I don't actually have, I don't have any brothers. So, and my sister doesn't like playing sports. So like I used to play cricket with the cooks, uh, with the cook and the, with the driver. So the, and the, and the guards. Um, hmm. So that was always there that I'll always like have fun with them. They're they're Yeah. They work for us, but why shouldn't I? That's not like, it's not like they're inferior or anything. They're just, People. That's their yeah. yeah. They're just people. Do you see that culture here in the U.S. or do you think it's like a mainly Pakistani thing? I can't say. I mean, it's a big country, and I haven't. I don't really know anybody, at least, who has more than like a babysitter or a housekeeper who comes in and cleans right. at some point during the day. I can't say I've met anybody who has who has more domestic help than that, really. Yeah. You know, something else I wanted to touch on, um, you know, is the fact of like religion, I guess. Yeah. You know, both here at Exeter and then largely, you know, in the US, of course. Uh, I think it's easier. I think it's like the go to nowadays is like almost immediately to like go to Trump or you know, <laughs> go, to, go to that stuff. But I'm more curious about, um, you know, how you keep up uh, religion here on campus you know how like i guess what it's like so it's it's hard in some ways it's easier in some ways so i'm a muslim uh that stems from islam uh yeah a lot of people actually say the word muslim is a religion I, yeah um, <laughs> no it's it's um so we have five daily prayers so the thing is between classes and these time, the times for those vary um, as the days get shorter and get longer mm. throughout the year. Um, one, a couple of hours before sunrise. So I have an alarm on my Fitbit, get up, pray, go back to sleep. Mm. Um, one around lunchtime. So I generally either go back to Wentworth, I have a prayer rug in my room, or I go to the church basement where our MSA prayer room is and I'll pray there and then return to whatever I was doing before after that. And the other ones are a bit trickier to manage. We have one that's around sunset. So right now that's after classes, but it isn't always after classes. And with my schedule, that's a bit tricky. It's it's not like it's one specific like at four fifteen sharp. But there is the but the window isn't also super long. So it mm. could just be within one block and I might have a class during that block. So that can be really tricky. So I'll, I'll have to offer late prayers um at night mm-hmm. after the last prayer which is later into the night 
there's a sunset and then there's one after that. Mm. And so after that, I'll often um, be praying because I couldn't, because I couldn't miss a required appointment. I had to do that mm. as much as it does hurt because at home, all the, in Pakistan, all the school days are fit within those brackets. And there are, even if you're at school for an event, there are gaps made for those because it's an Islamic country. You mm. don't really see any religious diversity there. Um, so that's been sort of tricky. We have our Friday prayers during lunch on Friday. So Friday lunch, you're not going to find me in the dining hall. Um, always just go straight to the church basement where we have our own lunch after that and then run to class. Uh, I guess otherwise for religious events, we don't have as many things on our calendar as EJC. Um, and Like the Jewish yeah, community. Like they, you know how they've got uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Well, we have our own things, but those also recently have been falling in the summer because it's the lunar calendar, so it shifts. Uh, the most recent thing was Eid al-Azha, which was September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, so right before school started. Hmm. Uh, Ramadan is going to be fun and tricky. It's the month of fasting, so we're fasting from morning prayers till sunset prayers, which... It's going to be about 2 a.m. to 8 or 9 p.m. Uh, here. So that's no food and no water. Hmm. Uh, so that's going to be tricky. It's I'm, I'm lucky I'm opting spring. I don't, <laughs> have to, <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. But it's going to be tricky because um, you're still trying to get everything done in your day well, without intaking more sugar. Right. Or, or water. Or water that. either. I'm personally, the water part doesn't bother me as much here because I'm used to doing it in the summer at home. Because, <laughs> when it's um, like, yeah. Yeah, because you start when you're, thir- it's mandatory once you're 13, you can do it before that, but it's only mandated once you're 13, and since I've been 13, it's been in the summer mm. at home, so water isn't as much of a problem for me as long as I drink enough in the morning as compared to at home, where you get to the table and you're like, okay, just water, that's it. <laughs> um, and because I've also been doing it for so long, I'm sort of conditioned to do it, like I get in, give me one day and I'll be completely normal on that track like once it's past three or four in the afternoon i'll stop caring or stop feeling hunger like i actually can't eat much when i open my fast that's sort of the so fasting is sort of gonna be the tricky part last year it started during finals week jeez dude oh my god (laughs) this year it's gonna start like second week of may okay so yeah holy crap dude (laughs) so i might be coming back to wentworth completely dead spring term at the end of spring term but it's senior spring It'll work out. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, dude. Oh, my God. I thought my final screen was bad. Uh, no, it'll work out somehow. <laughs> uh, you know, and kind of, uh, I guess the last thing, uh, you know, I want to ask you, you know, you mentioned it yourself uh, that, you know, you are the only Pakistani kid on campus. Um I guess, uh, you know, when a new student from Pakistan comes to Exeter uh, in, in the near future, do you have any advice for her or him? Don't be afraid to be proud of where you're from. Don't be afraid, for one, to call home frequently. I guess 
and definitely don't be afraid to speak another language on campus even if it sounds like Arabic just because you're in the US and I guess otherwise hold your head up high as despite what a lot of the world thinks about thinks about Pakistan we're a great country we fought for our independence we got it and yeah we've had difficult times we still have difficult times but we're gonna make it we're gonna we're gonna get through it and you should be proud of where you're from all right well thank you so much Nader. honestly it's been a pleasure anytime